The year is 1985. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Variant cover. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year Variant Cover streaming live for those of you able to attend. Thanks for joining. For those of you listening, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. I'm Dave. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by my regular guest. It is Zach Dean. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. You got I, uh, I hate that this is now, it's not even What's the sediment. problem? It's not even a jokey tone of voice anymore. It's just What's my not a regular jokey tone of guest. Voice? My regular guest. Yeah, kills me. It's what? it's it's you shifted this from a, a playful joke into like yeah now now I'm the host and Zach's my guest. It's very on cinema at the cinema. If you know that, that's like the running joke of that show is that there's only two of them. But yeah, uh, Tim you've, Heidecker. You've mentioned the joke we've stolen before. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think we're all familiar. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, you know, there's a host and there's there's a guest. It's just kind of the role. Uh, speaking of hosts yeah. and guests, we do have a cool uh, 1986 episode coming with a featured actual, Ooh, yeah, I guess we actual can... guest, which we can talk about here in a second. That, yeah. I will say for the rest of you, uh, My Marvelous Year is the show where we go through Marvel Comics from its origins to today. And today we are wrapping up 1985. We covered all the comics in 1985 and now we are going to answer some listener questions do some my marvelous year uh character shared universe character creations and uh generally just talk uh some comics and kind of where we're at in the club and then obviously if you want to read along with the club which is a a grand part of the joy of this journey you can find all the comics that we're going to be reading next listed in the show notes we'll be starting what is it 1986 part one is our episode next? 1986 yes. is going to be broken up into six episodes. Okay, mm-hmm. so we have God nine. Help us. You have nine weeks, I think, at least, to read all of Marvel in no, 1986 nine, nine weeks with top. us. No, nine weeks at least. No, it's not going to go longer than nine weeks. How it can go as long go as long? you need it to. At the end of the day. We uh, we uh, will not I go longer than nine weeks, but if someone is reading the comics, it's not like oh, they hit nine okay. weeks and well, they can't yes. finish what they read. Like if you're on Squadron right. Supreme eleven and it's week ten, mm-hmm. you can re- you can read number twelve. You have my permission. What is this? What is this point you are making? I, well, you you drew it in the contention. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't bring it up. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Nineteen eighty six is coming up soon. It's pretty good. We already started it, and uh, we've got a, a lot to a lot of interesting stuff coming in the second half specifically. Um, and we have a guest for the second episode of it. Do you want to you want to talk about that now? I'm pretty excited about this. I'm glad we can announce it now. Yeah. So our our nineteen eighty six part two episode, we have guest uh, the fantastic Frankie. If you are mm-hmm. not familiar, uh, check her out on uh, Instagram, Twitter, or in particular, Zach and I really like her YouTube channel and yeah. some of the commentary around Marvel superheroes, DC stuff. Uh, she's got a great perspective, an interesting take. Uh, the episode was a lot of fun to record, uh, so I'm looking forward to everyone 
hearing that as we talk with her about uh, the Punisher comics, the Circle of Blood, and uh, and a whole bunch of weird, wild X Men stuff. So that should be cool. Mm-hmm. I think uh, definitely we're going to try to to do a little bit more of that um moving mm-hmm. forward yeah. so i've got some of that stuff in the works but if you have as listeners you're like hey i'd love to see my this year uh team up or crossover with x y and z uh definitely do let us know and we can look into that and try to make it happen um you can let us know of course uh if you're a member of the exclusive slack uh patreon benefit or if you know if you um uh want to write to us at my this year gmail.com or you know what you could do here's an option rate and review the show on iTunes, mm, at the that. end of it, say, what about these guys? What about these Ooh, gals? That's, what about them, right? Invite I mean, I'm going to pay attention to all recommendations, but I'll pay extra attention to those recommendations. I will just We've pay. Some... I will just pay extra for for endorsements. Like, let's make no bones. Money is we, out there for you, baby, if you want to. We've had some good reviews review. lately, so uh, let me see. Jean Duto. He, uh, he just left a really nice review for us and uh, and a couple other people I couldn't identify um, from like you are a very like, good stalker too I mean. so if you couldn't identify well I mean them, they must if, be if your your name is in there you know you you're um, you're a great a stalker I mean I, I think that's you know it's definitely one sure. of your better skills I would I would say like podcast editing stalking um something getting something under that my I actually skin, do those are those oh are top God. three okay are you done can I tell you about how I actually stalk well do you want um, to do the top ten? When uh, when people sign up on Patreon, the first thing I always do when they start backing us is like, what else do they back? Just like to get a feel for that person. And sometimes I see like other stuff that they're backing. I'm just like, hell yeah, this is our kind of person. And then I like really try to get them in the Slack. Like I've lured a few people into the Slack (laughs) by being like, hey, I see that you also back this. We love to talk about whatever like yeah. i'm a big fan of whatever you know whatever podcast or thing that they're uh they're backing also but i'm always curious about that most of the time people have it um private so i can't see but uh once in a while i can see everything yeah else, if, if zach hops slides into your dms unexpected mm-hmm. and offers you some rare candy I, listen he's probably just trying to get you into the slack but just be trying to get those pokemon leveled up baby <laughs> Just be, you know, just use use common sense, right? And uh, and come into the Slack because it is a nice, safe space. I was I I had to explain the Slack a little bit to my wife this week, um, which is probably the first time <laughs> I've had to do this since my marvelous year started. And boy, was that a journey! Uh, that was so, a trip. That's amazing. We're eighteen months into this, like yeah, the Slack being around at least, if not longer. Like 20. I mean, we we talk rarely. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say like the. Rose knows about the Slack so intimately that I don't even need to mention, like, you know, this person from the Slack anymore. I can just be like, oh, Austin just said, and she'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. They're like, like, she they're just like colleagues from work that are just part of the, the day, day-to-day yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I barely yeah. have to, you know, qualify, like, in the Slack, so. Yeah, we don't we don't have that at all. Um, it, it, It's like, but I would, and she doesn't use Slack regularly. She understands the concept, obviously. Um, anyway, I, we can go down the rabbit hole later, maybe, or not. But uh, the Slack's cool. For It's uh, one of our benefits. Go on over to patreon.com slash this year. And mm-hmm. you can come hang out with all the, the people in that tier and with us. And we talk about comics and mostly lots of other things. So um, it's, uh, it's a good time. It's uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite ideas that you've had, Zach. <laughs> oh, thank you. So we have... Um... We have a little bit of we don't, we don't have that much to go over this time, so we're gonna um, do a little bit of like halfway through 2020, even though we're you know halfway through June or, or July already. We're gonna do our like you know 
midway comics best of the year kind of thing um here in this episode we thought that'd be a fun thing to fill in with um but first we do have some questions from the slack um let's see let me start out here i've got who is your new mutant and why is why is it warlock aaron asks. who is your new mutant no, who is your favorite new mutant? The newest Sorry. mutant that I have learned about, I would say, is Wildside. I think that is mm. the newest mutant I've learned about, uh, making appearances in the ongoing New Mutants, ironically enough. Um, I did not know hardly a thing about Wildside. And and I'm going to go ahead and, head and declare it here uh, on the show. You're the first to know, everybody on the live stream. New Mutants in the Dawn of X, it is my least favorite ongoing at the moment. Uh, it is not very about- good. Yeah, I, I mean, I dropped it immediately. What about Fallen Angels, or is that already canceled? That has been canceled for months now. We're all okay. much better for it, so it no longer fits into the conversation. If we were just ranking the entirety of Dox's output, yes, the one the one canceled book is yeah. the worst one, and that would <laughs> oh, go at the bottom. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I read like the first one or two issues of New Mutants and was like, this is kind of boring. Uh, it's um, super boring. I, I like the, the art's art, okay. very fun. The art is yeah, Flaviano like and it's got Mike Del Mundo colors it, or covers. Mm-hmm. It looks really good, uh, but the story is snoozeville. Anyway, so I'm getting the the feeling that you weren't joking and actually listened, heard my question incorrectly, or I I said it incorrectly rather. Who is your favorite new mutant and why is it Warlock? Was the question. Uh, yeah, Warlock's pretty awesome. He's not yeah. my favorite new mutant though. No, nope. uh, I would not it's rain. say that. It's rain for sure for me. You like rain, okay? Yep. Uh, I would go Ileana Rasputin. I would go Magic. I think she is consistently, and, and this is not an opinion I probably would have held like I don't know two years ago even. Um, but she is so cool. Every time she shows up, there's just like layers and layers of story that can come out of that in her involvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's got a super complex and interesting past. So I like I don't know magic. none of that. Yeah, she's like she's kind of interesting on a story level. Um. But like, I don't know. Does she have a personality? Like, she doesn't. She doesn't sing for me on that that level, at least. Um, does she have a personality? But, Jeez, look at you. Look I at mean, you. like, I don't know. Oh, what, she's a what, six out of ten. Get out of here with that nonsense. You know, I, I will say there are people uh, commenting with their favorites. Um, if we were talking specifically to the era of comics we're reading in the '80s for the club, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Danny Moonstar has to be. The Danny's best like great in this era. Danny's probably the best, I'd say. Like, I like Rain better, but that's like definitely a personal thing. Like, I just like am affectionate towards her. I think she's a real cutie. And like, I want the best I think, for Rain. Like, I'm yeah, I'm exactly. Like, a lot of it is most. just like big, big brothers, like protective feelings towards Rain. Yeah. Um. But no, Danny's Danny's awesome. Um. Okay. So let's see. Let me. Oh, I closed. Who's the better, Danny Moonstar or Targaryen or Rand? <laughs> Definitely last, but I like his inclusion. <laughs> mm. um, oh, you don't like Iron Fist? Uh, I like Iron Fist fine. I guess I'm thinking of the Netflix series, which is the worst. Oh, yeah. uh, but I even if I'm not, there's one Iron Fist series I like, Danny Rand is. Mm. I, here's the thing. Change out Danny Rand tomorrow with a new Iron Fist. I'm good. I'm great. Hmm. I don't know what that is. Guess I'll find out someday. Charlotte writes, please both pitch your ideas for a Secret Wars 3 event which must include the Beyonder at the center of the story, specifically as he's portrayed in the masterpiece that is Secret Wars 2. And yes, I know that there technically is a Fantastic Four storyline called Secret Wars 3, but also, who cares? Good luck. Yeah, so I, I did call out here, we definitely are going to be reading those issues 
of Fantastic is it Four. Just, is it literally just that you can't resist the word Secret Wars? Like, I feel like it, it's the joke of, you know, there's that, like, story we keep telling where Mattel or Hasbro or whatever toy company that they were working with were like, well, you have to call it Secret Wars because boys love the word secret and boys love the word wars. So we're calling it Secret Wars and it's like, you are the, you know, like, living embodiment, <laughs> living proof of that right now. Sounds like they were <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like they were onto yeah. something. Uh, no, I mean, I, I love the first event a ton i think that the concept is interesting enough that i'm curious how it plays out in the marvel universe um because you know to who asked this question is it charlotte um mm-hmm. to charlotte's question like secret wars it, it has a legacy too right like obviously this is it's no spoiler to say like there's a 2015 event called secret wars so yeah, it, it's a thing that, that yeah. what's that i said i'm excited for that yeah no and it's you know it's different but it it is a thing that has legacy so i'm curious to see how it follows up um those fantastic four issues are a well i don't want to spoil anything we'll talk about them um again it's just like a story that connects back to those ideas rather than being its own event and it's better for it the question here that i find very interesting is not i don't know what a good sequel to secret wars 2 is because once secret wars 2 as it stands happens you have to let it die like, you have to basically let it die and maybe do, yeah, this weird, small Fantastic Four story. But you can't do a Secret Wars 3 after that event. Um, <laughs> there's no, I, there's no, if your middle part of your sandwich is all turd, don't even get out the second slice of bread. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, the, she caveats this with Beyonder has to be part of it. And that's the, uh, you know, that's the poison pill that we have to swallow. So, so say, here's the question, though, that I would ask is what... Instead of Secret Wars 2 done the way it was, what what is a good Secret Wars 2? I don't know. Like, find a way to tweak and, you know, like, evolve. I mean, if you really want to do it, like, you have to just do another Battle Royale thing and just find a way to, like, reinvigorate that with a, a fresh concept, right? Like, a mixture of heroes and villains on each team. Give it real stakes, you know, like, something something new, something fun. Um, <laughs> I don't is, know. This maybe is a like, lot of fluff. <laughs> maybe maybe they have to fight okay here's here's my idea it's all the superheroes versus all of their non-powered like family and loved ones and they have to do it for the fate of the galaxy so it's like they're fighting like pepper pots and aunt may yeah. and uh you know and it's like you have to defeat them and you have to give it your best shot or the beyonder will destroy the galaxy that'll be fun. okay okay yeah, I'm, I'm, that's kill your loved ones and all your desires yep. shall be yours that's your you don't pitch. Have to kill them necessarily. You just have to slay. Them. You're right. You're right. It was it yeah, was yeah. slay. Um. Okay. Interesting. My. It's interesting because when you start thinking like, okay, what if you just tweaked the combination? It was villains and villains on either side, or um, you took heroes and you matched them up against villains. They don't usually fight. All those things have been done. <laughs> there are different right. events yes. across Marvel and DC uh, to varying degrees of effectiveness. I think my version of a Secret Wars 2 that I really like is Doom comes back and he still retains some of this power or some of this knowledge, kind of like he did with like Silver Surfer's Power Cosmic. He gets to experimenting and now it's a Doctor Doom alternate reality or alternate planet type thing that the heroes have to battle their way to overcome. It's a little similar. You'd have to tweak it a bit so it wasn't, you know, ending the same way. But it'd be mm-hmm. starting from a place of, hey, this is Doctor Doom's vision of the world now. This is his battle world. If you want to use the same terminology, how do we get ourselves out of that? So, Age Ooh. of Doom type thing. I'm yeah. into always. I like that idea. What about this? You just continue Secret Wars two for another. 
20 to 30 issues and it's just a beyonder like he's still got a lot to figure out and it's just like what about what about kissing what if he need, learns to kiss even better mm-hmm. what about having a dog We've gotta have like at least two issues of like what it means to be a pet owner through the lens of the beyonder and like the philosophical ramifications of that i think that could be fun to explore i'm gonna write it Okay, yeah. No, please get to writing that, and uh, I'm just going to tweet out here, looking for a new host. <laughs> Does anyone have lots and lots of time? All right, oh, he cool. said host. That's so so sweet. we need our new project. Excuse right, me, Kyle typo says, in previous tweet, looking uh, no, for no, a... Just got to edit this out real quick. Okay. <laughs> Kyle writes, uh, this is kind of a newbie question, but I confused, get confused by it, so here goes. I understand what a penciler does. Sometimes they credit breakdowns sometimes the credits say breakdowns or finishes however what does that mean also i hear both zach and dave praise the inking and coloring work in books often i often have trouble distinguishing between artists in this regard what do you what do both of you look for and appreciate with regards to inkers and colorists i'll hang up and listen thanks i have i have no idea i just know (laughs) it sounds like a good thing to say about comics couldn't tell yeah, you. Yeah, it's just it's just the like the first thing. It's just, just clearly like, like if you you're know, like a real comics crit, you know, you talk about yeah. those letters, baby. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it's tough. It, it is tough to sometimes really look at, at an inker critically until you've seen the same artist be inked by multiple, the same penciler be inked by multiple inkers, right? Sure. Because there is like there's Jack Kirby work. And well, explain explain Jack that Kirby. though, because I think that's Kyle's question. Okay, so, I mean, you know, you have the penciler who draws the literal images in pencil, and then you have the inker come in with an ink pen, usually, and fill in, like, do all the black lines and, like... And, and the thing is that, like, they usually bring the thickness. Like, the thickness of lines varies. They bring in shading, whatever. Oh, I bring whatever. the thickness. I bring oh, it. Oh, my God. Stop it. Um, <laughs> and they... Uh, yeah, and then the colorer brings in the... Co- I don't know. I just said the inker inks and the colorist colors. I, I don't I don't know how to explain it anymore. Well, no, I mean, it, but, you're right at the end of the day. Like, the, I think the important thing with inking to delineate is... And I read this in a Todd McFarlane Facebook post, actually, like before we hopped on because I was mm. wanted a way to explain this. And uh, it's... Don't call it tracing. Like, it's they take great offense oh, yeah, no, no, <laughs> to an inker. You're not literally going more, over yeah. the penciler's lines. Like, there's embellishment and there's artistic process to For inking. Sure, yeah. So I think that's why it's an important thing to credit. And that's why, you know, to the point you were getting to when I cut you off is Jack Kirby, right? His art side by side with different inkers. It can look very different, right? So the inkers actually help those pencils come to life. There's a really good video by Comics Tropes about um, Vince Coletta, who's an inker who did. He was just proficient. He had a long career in the industry and he did a fair amount of Kirby work. Um, and it's kind of talking about, well, was it good? And what are Kirby's pencils, what are they supposed to look like? Like that's, you know, the inker's job is to like bring that art to life in a way that helps it, right? That augments it. And there are inkers who can actually downplay it by just using sort of heavy blacks and just getting it out quickly, right? Or maybe the some of the examples that comic strips like to use with Vince Coletta is like, you know, ignoring details altogether right like things that are on the page ignoring those for the purpose of getting the work done um so that's that's where although there are some times that there are some times that i feel like you need to ignore that uh for readability's sake 
inking something, it is, like, almost a good choice to ignore what the penciler has done. Like, I see that... I keep bringing... I bring this up as an example all the time, but Jim Lee is somebody who is, like, his pencil work is tough to read sometimes because of the lack of, like, shading. Uh-huh. Like, the shading and the coloring is what gives the kind of the... Uh, he just packs in so many characters and so many details into such a small space, and you kind of need, like, this delineation with lighting and colors. And, uh, and he's someone who, like, the inker has a lot of work to, like, bring those to life and to use shading properly to be able to, like, you know, make your eye able to delineate, like, Superman from Batman who's right next to him, you know, and, like, they kind of bleed into each other in all the details just in the pencil drawing. Sure. Yeah, I think another piece of it, too, uh, is is the actual practicality of churning out comics is yeah. for a penciler to pencil and then turn around and ink, you're doubling up the time. Whereas if you have a specified mm-hmm. inker, you can like send them pages. You know, I got three penciled. Let yeah. me send you pages. And right. And then the comics machine keeps on churning. So I think that's that's a piece of why, you know, because we, we've definitely seen like John Byrne, I think, writes, draws and I think inks like if there's not an inker specified. I tend to take that to mean, yeah. you know, the artist here yeah, is doing so. that themselves. Uh, I think Simonson is doing that on Thor as well. So there, there are instances um where, where creators are doing that. But like, you know, Byrne, I think, is a good example because on Uncanny X-Men, definitely when he's with Terry Austin, his stuff looks fantastic. Like, that's a great partnership. Yeah. Um, and you find those occasionally. Coloring, I think, is, yeah, is I mean, probably a little more self-explanatory, you know, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you know, just about palette, right? Like, some people just do interesting palettes, right? Like, there, there may not be some kind of, I don't know, it's, it's harder to screw up coloring, right? That's not something I look at and think, like, oh, the coloring's awful here. At least not now. Sometimes I think that a bit more about modern comics when they start getting into digital coloring and they can start coloring things, like, with real bad shaders and stuff, like, some digital coloring stuff I dislike. But, no, it's just generally about, like, you have to make choices about literally, like, what the comic looks like at a glance like what what color palette to be using and i think those color choices would be really interesting yeah i think that gets a, um, a lot more attention now probably yeah um, i think so within the too. medium yeah, like, n- yeah. Oh, i'm sorry go on well uh, no i was, I was gonna, gonna say, say there are artists that i the... like almost exclusively <laughs> because of their colors like like christian ward is a good yeah. example of an artist who just has this amazing like explosion of pinks and fluorescent colors that he likes to use in his art um and it, it stands out right so it's i don't know it's, to me it's like coloring oh, is yeah, like yeah. seasoning on food or something it's like it's extreme it can be extremely additive it can be too distracting yeah. it can be um, i think of jordan belair is like someone one of the only modern colorists that i know like her name and i like adore everything i see her do she does like did the manhattan projects for a while mm-hmm. she does a bunch of marvel did moon knight pretty deadly like her, I don't even really like Pretty Deadly that much, but that comic's gorgeous, and her color work on that's incredible. Sure. Um, no, I think actually you're right that like that's a mod- more modern concern slightly, at least critically, because I think you can print with a much wider range of colors now than you could in 1960, 70, 80, right? Like they were so much more limited in their colors, although that did lead to like interesting ways to, um, you know, ha- interesting ways that you had to deal with the, the lack of choice in coloring, like with old inking. So, okay. Um, I oh, think, uh, do we have time we for were one more helpful. question? Yeah, let's shoot. Um, last one. Peter says, despite their often over-the-top cackling evilness, Marvel villains rarely kill anyone. Most of the people who die are bystanders caught in the crossfire, a la Captain Stacy. The most notable exception of this is the Red Skull. At least twice now, we've seen him flippantly killing his own henchmen. I know the Comic Code Authority has little to do with this, but clearly you can still have villains kill people. So why do you think the creators hold back so much? Is it to make villains like Red Skull and Green Goblin stand out as the worst of the worst when they kill? Or are they just playing nice with 
the CCA. On the flip side, do you think Red Skull's lack of hesitation when killing most people clashes unbelievably with his inability to pull the trigger anytime he has a hero beaten? So I think there's probably two parts to this. The first is definitely the Comics Code Authority. Um, mm-hmm. Even if yeah. Skull is doing that, like it's not it's not super common and it's it's not like generally super on screen, I guess. I don't know. Those moments stood out to us, I guess, for a reason, because there are, there is a yeah. rarity to that. Um, I think, you know, the Code Authority is obviously was a is increasingly less and less of a concern, like to the point where now we're in 85, 86. It's it's an afterthought by far. Right. Um, yeah, obviously, those sure. pressures were felt heavily in the 60s and into the 70s a bit. Um, but every mm-hmm decade after that it's it's increasingly less and less relevant to the point that now it's you know it although amazingly it was like 2011 when they finally stopped putting it on comics or something crazy like that yeah but the thing is like even even to that point they were still doing like wolverine just absolutely you know like decapitating many people yeah uh, you know and just like really gory you know I, i don't know when uh old man logan came out maybe that was a little later um but you know like yeah they they were not concerned with that for a while anymore no. I mean, it's basically like you cannot say the F word and you can't show nipples. That's really like <laughs> you have to Marvel, read you know, Tarot, which of the Black Rose, if those two, if you want those two things. Yeah. Uh, I don't know it, if they swear in that on book. the regular. It's like weirdly. Yeah, they might not swear. It's weirdly chaste in some ways. I don't know. It's I would comic. not use that word, but I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think like it's code authority, but it's also like the audience is still younger. You know, I, I think like the targeted audience is still somewhat younger. Um, plus, they're just not Marvel's just not in a position where they're going to kill off uh, meaningful characters, I guess. Yeah. You know, sure. Um, so and like to have I guess the one thing they don't do that definitely comics are doing like crazy is they don't have the Red Skull just like, um, oh, hey, he just, you know, committed a 200 person murder or whatever yeah. right mass murder yeah, like yeah. they don't do that stuff um and then like obviously we're doing my ultimate year uh going through the ultimate universe by the time you get there at ultimates it's like x thousand people killed in this hulk rampage it's like the numbers right. just start yeah. blowing up i just saw tom king tweeting about this and he was just like yeah i was trying to decide like a super villain commits mass murder and i like took a while to figure out what the you know the number is and i landed on twelve thousand. <laughs> he's like and it felt like he was talking about how like you know uh that felt weird and diminished in you know era of coronavirus but like, yeah still that point of that he was still even considering like you know trying to trying to pluck a number in the thousands out is so I different do, than what we're seeing i do sort then. of tend to hate uh the the use of like a mass casualty event mm-hmm. like that you know like oh this supervillain caused x thousand people to die or whatever um i kind of hate it it's just something about it, especially yeah. in the Marvel Universe, uh, something about it is just like it's extremely distasteful. The comic never has time or cares to like deal with that. You know, yeah, I don't know like if it's it, like, never feels the point tasteful to me, but like it does feel cheap. feels like a shortcut yeah, to like maybe it's that. Yeah, they're su- they're super bad. Right. Like they just killed. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like um, what's that comic where it's like Superman? But if he was bad, like un- irredeemable. Right. And in that one, he that's just, the like, Mark wipes- Wade one. Yeah. There's, yeah, and he, there's like, a lot of those. A country there. <laughs> it's injustice. Yeah, I know. It's a really that's such a boring trope to me. Um, but uh, yeah, he like wipes out an entire country in that, and it feels like it has no impact because it's yeah. I mean, you know, like I feel like you can get a lot more impact with them killing one specific person <laughs> than you can with this like. Well, that's what injustice. Murder, unless you, I mean, that's what injustice kind of is. Oddly enough, no, I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> Whether or not no. that was a good 
premise for the game. You know what it is. We've talked about it. Uh, Injustice. Oh, DC Injustice. Video yes, game yes. No, the, I know. I'm writing about comic. it right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Uh, anyway. uh, oh yeah, that that was paired paired with mass murder. It was yeah. like a single murder. Pair. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I guess like at the end of the fun. day, I wouldn't like. I don't think I'd like any Spider-Man comics more if the Green Goblin had killed people in them. Um, which isn't to like diminish the question. It's interesting to consider historically why wasn't that happening. But I I don't really feel like it's additive. You know, at least in the context yeah, of those no, books. I, we'll we'll be talking about it a bunch. But I usually like kind of feel like it's a yeah a real cheap shortcut to like make you just feel like ooh they're nasty right like they just yeah. killed this person we met this page meet them in the first panel they die in the last panel of the page you know and we just get to watch and it just feels like i don't know it's very like 80s horror movie of just like establishing the the monster right but you see that a lot with like batman comics batman how many people die in alleys in the first page of a batman comic uh, usually just the two a lot dave usually just okay. the two i, I keep reading the origin over and <laughs> yeah. over yeah yeah all right so uh that, that's all we got for questions let's uh let's talk about 2020 comics have you read any comics this year dave <laughs> okay uh I, I mean i think we had a, a pretty good amount by way of questions where i don't i don't feel like we need to really do a blowout 2020 spectacular um i will no, share just, just a, handful a few of, very like, recent favorites faves. yeah um nope not going to do that, but I will share. A f- you can find all, all right. my faves on the best comics of 2020. Just Google it. Oh, he needs to and get paid look for, for Comic this. Book That's... Herald, uh, and you all will right. find. You'll either find me or you'll find Comics Book Case. Now, I like Comics Book Case a lot. Zach there uh, is a pal; it does a great job. But you know, if you could check out the ComicBookHerald.com list first, that would be appreciated. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, as far as like good comics this year, there's been a ton of good stuff. You know, a big thing I've been doing, Zach, is definitely being a lot more in the loop on like graphic novels and fully collected mm-hmm. works that are coming out this year, yeah, as cool. opposed to the sort of the grind of that week by week, you know, new issue thing, because obviously with coronavirus, like that shut down for a period of time. Um, so it, you know, just wasn't sure. a thing for, you know, whatever it was, two months, um, which, which limits the amount of comics that have actually come out. So long, long winded answer to say uh, my very recent favorites. I read last night in one sitting, Jack Kirby, mm. The Epic Life of the King of Comics. Uh, this is a yeah, biography that's, by that's Tom cool. Scioli. And holy cow, is it good. It is truly, truly awesome. I loved it. Um, again, like, obviously we talk about Kirby a lot on My Marvelous Year as a creator. This is, it's definitely a Kirby-centric viewpoint, I suppose, is one way of phrasing it. Um, I'm not the biggest Kirby head. I respect the heck out of him, but I'm not like the person who's like, everything he did is the best. Uh, but this book was fascinating. I love Jack Kirby. Some of the quotes, some of his life, like everything about him in World War II is just like, man, it's it's super compelling. Tom Scully does a great job of, of making it. Um, I mean, he's a cartoonist, so cartoonish is like reductive, but... Uh, it's a it's a light, very fast read. Like it's, no, it look it looks like a Sunday, uh, you know, like a Sunday newspaper comic. Yeah, for sure. And there's just a ton yeah. of comics history in it, which you know is is obviously very up my alley. So hmm, that is my cool. first recommendation. Uh, it's a really cool graphic novel. I don't think it's on Comicsology, but you can get it digitally on Amazon. I'll have to check that out. Comicsology is Amazon, so should be. If it's on one, it should well, be on the other. It was only Kindle though. I don't know. Oh, when weird. I looked on Comixology, it wasn't there. When I went to the Amazon store, it just said Kindle. Um, but maybe I just Googled something wrong. I don't know. Um, let's see. So my oh, 2020. Hmm. What a year. <laughs> let me think. Let me <laughs> think back. I didn't prepare idea. anything. I know. No. Um, all right. So let me see. I'm just going to pick a couple oddballs. You know, there's a bunch of like real obvious things like Immortal Hulk is excellent. Um, is it? 
Is it though? Yeah, it's very. Can it's I can I share my hot, my hot take today that I was too scared to tweet? Huh. Oh, what? Here's my hottest take that I was too scared to tweet. Uh, Al Ewing, a little bit. <laughs> everyone, everyone is too scared to say this, but Al Ewing is a very average Avengers writer. Nobody yeah, wants to say I anything bad about Al Ewing because he's writing Immortal Hulk. It's amazing. He's writing Guardians of the Galaxy. It's very interesting. He's done Ultimates, which I love. He's got a new solo book coming out from Boom, which I'm super excited about. Love the creator, right? Mm -hmm. His Avengers work, mm -hmm. painfully average. Painfully average. And he's on Empire right now, co-writing with Dan Slott. And Ooh, Empire is... It's just boring. I think the messaging is actually atrocious. Two issues in to a long, big event. We'll see if he turns this thing around. But... um. The, the messaging of what this book is saying, I think, is a mess. Uh, so maybe we'll explore that at a later date. But, okay, that was my hot take. <laughs> what, uh, what was your what was your 2020? All right, let's take? see. So Marvel, the only thing I'm reading by Marvel, I canceled all my Dawn of X. It's getting too complicated. And, like, they just overwhelmed me with too many crossovers and too many miniseries and stuff. And I just kind of was like, I'll catch up with it on Marvel Unlimited instead of buying it week to week. Um so I've got a couple DCs. Wonder Woman Dead Earth is a small little miniseries that I'm loving the heck out of by Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh, it's very heavy metal um, without being like, I don't know, like silly or indulgent in that, right? Like it really uh, like kind metal. of like the... Uh, exactly, right. Yeah. Um, you know, like, cause that one's like Wonder Woman's guarding the gates of hell with double chainsaws, right? And it's supposed to, and it's like amped up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, electric it's, it, uke. No, I got you. It, it's and it's trying to do that, but Wonder Woman Dead Earth is like a post-apocalyptic little side story with Wonder Woman, and it has this like really crazy aesthetic. If you've never seen Daniel Warren Johnson's art, you should definitely check it out. Um, but it also keeps like the core of Diana as this, you know, like very empathetic hero. It doesn't turn her into you know some kind of like hardcore action care uncaring action hero. It's great. Um, and then Far Sector, I think I've already mentioned Far Sector on the show, but it's still still very good, and I can't wait to see how it wraps up. You know, Far Sector had uh, this interesting a, thing a Green where Lantern it's, uh, I think it's sixth issue came out, like, right as comics were picking back up again, but also very yep. shortly after the George Floyd murder, right, and all the Black Lives Matter protests across the country. Mm -hmm. And it's it was this tricky thing where going into it, I was like, oh, wow, like, this is a this is a space cop book. You know, Green Lantern yep. is inherently that. Um, the main character in it is, you know, a black woman. So it's obviously got a different perspective. But actually reading issue six, I was like, oh, yeah, of course, N.K. Jemison knew exactly how to play this, regardless of oh, the, for sure. no, I mean, the, the moment like and the pressures of exactly what was happening. Of course, she was ahead of that curve. Right. So it, it's a great book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, N.K. Jemison was not like, oh, boy, now I got to start paying attention to <laughs> No, I know. Know, I know. I know. I could no, just like see the issue reading differently, right? And because it was meant to, I, it was a dumb thought. It was a dumb thought in retrospect. Um, but it, it's cool. <laughs> it's good to see. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I mean, definitely that book is about like I don't know. There's there's a lot going on in that book, and a big part of it is about like the role of policing and the role of like you know like the legacy of colonialism told through this completely new fun alien world that she's created super interesting yes um indie stuff that i'm really liking whoa uh, whoa we just doing uh we're doing all zacks now oh sorry do you want to even alternate speak oh i was just gonna <laughs> i'm just gonna pound them out and then you could oh do you want to speak <laughs> yeah please go on no go ahead <laughs> share, share your second one all right uh let's see something is killing the children by james tinian do you like Ooh, this book tinian no it's tinian 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 i think is how they say it yeah um, yeah, I do. I uh, I picked it I up. I tried like I just... the first half of the first issue, and I just kind of stalled. 
um, which is a no, super I'm like, like seven issues in, not a commentary. Whatever the most re- yeah, I'm on whatever the most recent one is. I read like the first six in one sitting, um, so maybe that helped. But uh, no, I really, I really liked it. I, I really love the art. I like that I'm starting to pick up on his specific style as a writer. He loves these like double splash page. Well, they're not double splash pages. He loves these dual pages with like sixteen to twenty panels on yeah. it. Like he loves just putting a ton. And he d- he did this in Detective Comics all the time. He's doing it in something. He's killing the children. I really love that. Um, he can just like tell so much story in it and put so many character moments and he's like in such tight control. Um, it's a very like it's, it's a very small story, small cast, and it's just kind of a, a monster hunter book. Um, yeah, no, I'm enjoying it. It's not like blowing me away. It's not my favorite thing, but uh, but I'm definitely enjoying it. All right. I need to I definitely need to give that the full uh, full chance that it deserves, I think. It, it, it really has like one arc at the beginning. So you could just read the first six and feel like and, and then, you know, it opens the door for more. But. Sure. You know, yeah. You can you can read the first six and kind of get an idea of what's going on. Uh, you wanna go? You want to tell eh. the people? Eh. I don't know. All right. Well, I got a couple more. Um, reading Usagi Yojimbo. Oh, the, uh, I love Usagi series from the. I'm reading the first one from the '80s because I've never read any of it. Yeah. They're putting out it uh, in colored edition again, which I'm really loving. This is about like a rabbit samurai. It's very cartoony. It's kind of manga-ish, but not quite. It's kind of a mixture between like manga, Jap. I mean. I think he's a is he Japanese American, Stan. Um anyway. I don't he, know for uh, sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. But um yeah, it feels kind of a split between like American comics and manga. And uh yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And reading these old eighties comics recolored and getting it month to month has been a ton Oh, so of you're fun. getting the, the recolored new prints yeah. as a Yeah, so yeah. I'm getting that and the new work he's doing. Yeah. Um in twenty twenty. Man, that that book just kicks butt like still i mean like that has been going for like 35 years and it's, it's still, amazing like, it's amazing it, it's kind of indistinguishable i actually picked up one of the new issues off the shelf and yeah. opened it up and i was like yeah this looks like the stuff that i'm reading from back in the 80s like he's just kind of a very consistent <laughs> i um, i wonder if and i don't know the answer to this because i'm not a long time reader but i wonder like if you know you know the long arc of of his earlier work if you'd read the new stuff and be like this is actually flat like this is too flat because it's kind of doing the same thing, you know, whereas I'm reading it relatively fresh. I've read some Usagi yeah. in the past um, and it's just like, yeah, every story is ju- it's just really fun. Like I love having yep. it. Um, I love having it show up <laughs> like every it's time been, it does. It's been good reading it like month to month because I have heard that he's not doing like he's not doing one big story like one piece. Right. One piece has been running 20 years and it's like, right. Right. It's continually building to more and more. It's building up while telling these smaller stories. I, I I just asked someone in the Slack who's read it, and he says it's not really that. It's a lot more individual stuff, and it does have callbacks and stuff. But no, I kind of wonder if it, it would. I think I prefer that approach actually, where it is building to that thing. I don't know. I kind of yeah, feel like I as a yeah. as a consumer, I sort of need that hook. Um, all right. So yeah. my my other pick of a very recent read is November. It's a series of graphic novellas written by Matt Fraction with art by Elsa Chartier. And I apologize for definitely mispronouncing that. Um, it is a really odd book. Uh, Matt Fraction is obviously very well known for books like Sex Criminals, Hawkeye, some of my favorite comics of all time. Um, but November is like, it's all told like out of order, kind of non-chronologically. Like literally, if you read November volume one, I, my experience was reading November volume one, I was like, I don't know what this book is still. When I read volume two, it was like, oh, I see it. I see how some of these things are starting to connect together. Um, it's it's a good story. It's just like a noir mystery. Uh, it's like a noir crime mystery, but following like very different vantage points from the of the crime. So I won't say any more than that. But uh, November, it's got a very unique style and look. I think it's going to be three volumes. So honestly, my yeah. honestly, my rock here would be like 
wait till all three are available because it's going to make the most sense then. Um, but it's a cool book. I remember seeing this at the the end of 2019, like the first volume being touted around. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so my last, I got to wrap up here. Um, I've been reading this little this little graphic novel. Don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Sandman by Neil Gaiman. Mm, new uh, one, right? Pr- yeah, now this is the good. new audio book I've been hearing about. I think. No, I haven't been listening to that. No, I think I think at the end of 2019, I said Sandman as a joke because I was reading it then. Uh, I'm still reading it. I'm like two thirds of the way through the series now. I've just got these big omnibus editions, and it's like so slow to read it because it's like it's like a big production. I have to bring it out to the kitchen table and sit there and reading it. Um, I am very likely to uh, download and and make an Audible account so I can check out this the the reading that yeah, they're doing. Yeah, maybe. I am curious. I, I'm not, I'm not really, How does a comic translate just, to audio, like pure audio? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty I mean, interested Yeah, I guess I'm not curious enough because I just don't think it will work. <laughs> I like just can't imagine. Well, that's that a negative be... attitude. Yeah. <laughs> people, well, I mean, people I don't know. I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, no, a real thing is uh, Chew, number one, came out today, which uh, was pretty good. Did you read that? Nope, not yet. I'll okay. probably wait till there's no. a few issues out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chew, the original Chew series is my fave. Love that when was the, series. When was the last time you read Chew, the the original? Like a year and a half ago. year and a half ago. Did you, uh, I bet you liked it still. Not questioning yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Were there yeah, moments yeah. that you thought like, uh yeah, like kind of cringy? Like there's some jokes in there that are definitely like off color in a way that I think is insensitive. Hmm. Um, what do you mean? And like the, they stand out more. The like, what do you mean? The like the oops i found out i'm gay jokes like uh there's kind of a lot of stuff like that i don't know how i don't know that it's like this is bad i really don't know but there was a lot of stuff reading it now where i was like oh there's a lot more like of a critical lens to be because i I reread it i I realized i'd never finished you actually um so i reread it or finished it for the interview i did with rob uh guillory for farmhand and um i don't know there's just a lot of stuff like yeah like the like the um queer relationships um there's some like transphobic kind of jokes like, and spo- I don't know. There's just little like it's little like easy joke comedy stuff. Like I know what they're going for, but it's kind of like eh, that feels kind of insensitive now. I don't know. Maybe they hmm. handle it differently. Yeah, no, I, I didn't get that. I, I kind of thought most of it was like maybe, you know, poking fun at these guys, but also like not that. I don't know. It, it didn't seem like the butt of the joke was like, haha, gay. <laughs> if that's that's what it was, it like kind of seemed like kind of like haha sexual harassment. Oh, like, oh, oh, their boss? I mean, it's your boss. The, like, the cop boss? Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't remember that too much. Okay, yeah, maybe. I, this I is definitely, that, like, that stand out to me. like, watch, you know, watch someone take take the comedy too seriously. But again, it's, like, it's hard, you know, thinking no, no, I, about I got things. You. Like, I mean, it's worth investigating. I've been meaning to reread it because I think I actually, like, got within six issues of finishing it and didn't either. Because uh, I, like, <laughs> it, or, maybe, or maybe I did. I don't know. I was reading the, the new series, Chew, which is spelled C-H-U. And I was yeah. like, wait, I don't remember how the last one ended. Like, I remember I most think you'd of rem- you would remember the literal last page if you read it. Yeah, say. so maybe maybe I don't because I like I could not remember how it ended. I'm kind of due for a reread anyway. Anyway, uh, two number one, good, but seriously missing Rob Gil- Gilroy, um, the artist on that series. Like big time, miss him on that book. The guy who's stepping in for him, whose name I don't remember off the top of my head, um, doing good work. It's definitely like trying to recreate um, Gilroy's work, but it's not quite there. It's a little too smooth. Yeah, I didn't I didn't love it. Um, but the writing was cool. Um, cool, and then uh. Oh, well, there's one other thing I was going to mention. Oh, I'm reading old Donald Duck cart comics from 1953. <laughs> uh, Uncle Scrooge. The Uncle this Scrooge is, series from 1953. Somebody cut him off. Bartender, uh, stop serving him. Surprisingly very funny and like very sharp comedy. 
um, oh from comics. Oh, actually, you know what? Here, no, this is a really no, good. No, I don't oh, and know. Berserk. What? I'm Please, reading. Please tell Berserk. us more. Berserk's great. Everyone can you go, go back to cave unless... paintings? How far back can we go? Oh my god. Okay. Um, something interesting. Reading. So, Uncle Scrooge is 1953. I've also been reading a bunch of DC comic comedy series, like uh, Superman's Girlfriend, Lois Lane, which I. <laughs> I just realized, like, it's very funny and uh, screwed up that they called it Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, and not Lois Lane, Superman's girlfriend, right? Like, the first word has to be Superman on there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but that series is hilarious. I mean, it was Superman's very pal, funny. Jimmy Olsen, I think, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just marketing, trying to get Superman out there. But um, that that series is so funny and, like, like genuinely funny, not, like, funny in a, like, this is dated and, you know, Nick Fury calling people handball or whatever. Um, like, some of the jokes really land on that. I don't know what's and dated I, about that. It just made me, think, made me think of, like, Marvel Comics isn't really funny and they don't integrate humor that well. <laughs> like, Stan and Jack could be pretty funny, right? But, like... I, I don't know. I, I think it's like interesting. I mean, I, that, like I wouldn't say DC humor... is a traditionally funnier publisher. I think the opposite. No, I don't know. True. I don't know if that's so, like yeah, Spider Man. Yeah. Is, no, Spider Man is inherently a pretty funny book. Definitely tries to be. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's just like it, a lot of that humor seems a little dated. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess I laugh at JJJ a lot, and some of those jokes land like genuinely land, and not kind of an ironic way. So um, you're not finding the Lois Lane comedy um, dated. Even though it's obviously a much older book, no, generally no. I mean, like some of the stuff in the book is dated, but like I think that and like the Uncle Scrooge comic, like have this like pretty sharp comedy that are it feels surprising for something that's seventy years old. Sure, um, yeah. And it just kind of made me surprised that we haven't seen more like really good comedy intertwined. I, I guess that's because like maybe yeah, the irony a writer who's good. At well, the the trick with Marvel is like superhero stuff, right? The the trick with Marvel would be like, okay, what's the funny book? What's the comedy attempt even from them? Like Howard the Duck, obviously. I mean, Howard the Duck. Which we, yeah, we talked which about. I like, don't think it's that is not quote-unquote comedy like, that lands, certainly. you can Again, my take is you can read it as why is this happening and satire and kind of be kind of tickled by that. Um, but again, like as far as like joke writing goes, it's really not. <laughs> it's really not much there to hang your hat on. Yeah. Um, yeah as cool yeah. as Howard's head is. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like what other... I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but like, what other stuff is Marvel I mean, that trying that Daredevil? is expressly like? <laughs> like Daredevil, Miller's Daredevil is one of the only like. Well, there are funny Stanley moments. Stanley and sure. Jack Kirby working together. Well, there are funny the moments only, like, in any real. There are I mean, funny you moments. You could in, go on in Daredevil. In almost yeah, Daredevil, any I've, series. I mean, Daredevil, Daredevil and has, like, X Men has funny jokes, moments. These aren't I think are comedy, pretty, but I think we're we're cutting each other off. You hear me? Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't have a larger point except just like. I'm a little surprised at how I, I don't know. I think it will be interesting to see that because I think it's going to be integrated more into Marvel with like these are the comedy books, right? And we're going to do a four issue, I don't know, Lockjaw series or a four issue, I don't know, Gwenpool, Deadpool. They're going to oh, become well, more much like later, comedy much books. later. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm like West Coast surprised. Avengers, we talked about that as a missed opportunity where it's like that should have been the comedy book. Ooh, I bet you're. I don't know, is She Hulk going to be that? Because I've seen a lot of like yeah. very funny jokes with She Hulk. Okay, so let's see. Do you want to do... We're going to do some My Marvelous Year Heroes and Villains real quick. Um, yeah, let's do a couple updates. I will yeah. do an update here for Nate. You got two? Uh, long Distance. I have one. So okay, Nate, I got one too. The Long Distance. And uh, so his his ability in the previous My Marvelous Year Shared Universe was that he can basically uh, travel through dinner plates. Um, kind of think like Mirror Master on the DC side of things. Uh, he can, you know, in a fine dining establishment, he can go from like one restaurant to a restaurant all the way on the other end of the world. 
right? And he can do this through the plates. Um, and he's kind of, it's kind of unclear if he's going to be a hero, if he's going to be a villain. He's definitely got like more villainous tendencies, I think, because you think about what can this be used for, you know, mostly it's theft. <laughs> like most options here are pop out of a plate, grab somebody's pearls and run, right? Can I ask you a question real quick? Uh, sure. Am I wearing pearls at did the moment? No, but I will clutch them. <laughs> did you forget that I just did a update for him? That he got captured by the uh, the tailor? A wizard never forgets, Zach. Okay, all right. Uh, but that would have been a decent thing to have told me when I asked you about long distance. <laughs> I know, I forgot about it too. I would sorry. just mention as a as a yeah. No, you, you did note. ask me this afternoon, and I I forgot to mention that I had just put him in a very very specific prison cell. So maybe this is a if if you did not integrate that, this is a, a tale of long distance, right from the uh, from back in the day, from prior to his imprisonment. Um, yeah, actually, no, it doesn't even need to be that. It doesn't need to be that. So he's imprisoned okay, okay. by the Fair tailor enough. currently. Mm-hmm. And uh, the he's you know this is like you know this is tough for him. Uh, they don't serve him metal plates as you'd expect, right? Like they they do give him the occasional dry loaf of bread in his cell, but they don't typically give him metal plates. But he strikes up a relationship with the prisoner next door, you know, through mysterious scratchings and talking through holes holes in the wall. And eventually, they're mysterious able to figure out a plot where the the strange prisoner next door can slide their dinner plate over to long distance down the hall and he then grabs that and he realizes he's looking into it and he's like none of the restaurants are open right so not like and it, like what he realizes is that there's a pandemic all the restaurants are closed uh-huh. it's like totally irrational to go inside of a dining establishment during this moment um hashtag wear a mask and he's he's looking at this he doesn't know where to travel and he's like well screw it i gotta get out of this prison i gotta try something so he jumps into the plate and all of a sudden he pops up in what appears to be a very small kind of cottage. There's like an old man and his, his wife. Um, she's a couple years older than him, actually. They're a little ahead of their time. And, uh, and they're eating dinner. And he runs out, and it's just like forest and green everywhere. And then all of a sudden, there's like these knights in shining armor walking down a trail. And they're all laughing at this person covered in green paint. Somebody's covered in green paint. He doesn't know what's going on. He thinks, like, is this, like, some sort of renaissance fair? And Ooh, he walks up to him and asks them. On. Yeah, and he's like, what is going on? And uh, Sir Ben Grieving, a.k.a. Ugh. the Laughing Knight, addresses him and says, wait, you look like you're wearing clothes from somewhere else. Come with you us. You have to at least give him, like, a laughing tone of voice. Like, ha you look like you come from elsewhere. Ha-ha. I'm not doing voices for everybody. I could. Well, I know, I'm great at voices. The, laugh- the Laughing Knight. At least needs to be. All right. I'll just, I'll insert the Listen, if you want everyone to have a Scottish accent, we can do that. We can do that. (laughs) Um, So anyway, they throw him in a new prison in this castle. (laughs) And he realizes over the course of being imprisoned here that he is, uh, he has traveled back in time to this medieval era, right? And long distance is like, what the heck is going on? I can go through time. So again, they're serving him as things. For some reason, the plates aren't really working because there really aren't many established restaurants uh, in this medieval area. But eventually, he's able to like muster up the strength and and finally make his way out of there. And he launches into a plate. And this time, where should he appear? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I'm listening. Okay, um, I'm riveted. Great. He launches into a plate, and this time, he's in like an empty restaurant. It's in the middle of New York City, and he's looking around, and he's he's all he can see is like kind of carnage and destruction and he finally steps outside he's kind of keeping low you know trying not to get like caught up in this and there's a raging battle going on and uh he looks towards the center of it and there's this man very strong the colossal chick man standing with his foot 
his his chickeny foot on top of none other than Lala Lacruzzi, the tailor. And he looks down at her, and the colossal chick man is saying, Your reign of super villainy is at an end! And then, long distance, trips, falls onto a plate that was lying on the ground, and winds up back in the prison cell where the tailor <laughs> kept him initially. And that is the update for long distance. He's been traveling through time, and he has seen the future of the colossal chick man and the tailor. That was pretty fun. Thanks. I like it. That's, uh, I think the stream froze for some people here. Dope. Oh, Oh, everyone missed your big your big reveal. They'll have <laughs> that was to definitely wait till the next Monday to hear it. <laughs> that was definitely the only part of it worth hearing. <laughs> oh, sorry, everybody. Are we back now? Okay, seems to be back. Okay, I've got a new character here for Sicily. Uh, Sicily is a longtime member of the club, and uh, she. Uh, let's see, quick. I don't have it on me. She's got a good Instagram. She reviews some of the comics she reads for My Marvelous Year and My Ultimate Year on Instagram. I always like reading those there. Nice. Um, and then also, little thing, Cicely is the uh, the model for our My Ultimate Year cover art. She uh, she gave us permission to use her as the model there. So, um, so Cicely, her character, she uh, you know, she's been home for a few months because of uh because of quarantine, right? And uh, the recent protests going on, right? She uh, she decides to get out in the streets and uh, and join these protesters against police brutality and injustice. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it starts out started out a little small the group she was going with, but uh, she's realizing as she's getting out there, you know, the the energy in the crowd is infectious. That uh, the more people she's around, the she's starting to feel energized right and I, I think that's like a common feeling to anyone who goes to uh to, you know like a big rally or even like a concert or something we're just surrounded by a lot of people with a, a similar energy right like there is this um it is energizing i guess i keep saying the word energy i have the like, opposite i have the opposite experience i just get exhausted it is so draining to be around lots of people but i'm glad she's energized by it good yeah i, I think i think it's just the feelings of solidarity um Unfortunately, the police, as uh, as we've seen they do, uh, start, like, overreacting, right? And making things worse and escalating. And Sicily, she steps up, right? And um, she, like, steps up and faster than she, she, like, even before she even realizes it, she, her arm flashes out and she catches a tear gas canister. Like, just snatches it out of the air. Tosses it back. Like, and she's mystified. Like, this happens. She doesn't even realize she did it. It was just instinct, right? Mm -hmm. And she has to go, like, you know, she gets away from the crowd. She, like, is just, like, worried about what happened to her. And as she, like, moves away from the crowd, she's starting to feel weaker and tired. And, uh, and then she's like, all right, well, no, it's just, you know, I don't know what happened. It must have been the adrenaline. She gets back. She gets back in this crowd. And she starts, uh, she starts, like, um just feeling good again she starts feeling you know full of this uh energy and power and uh and she's realizing that the more people she's around with this like common cause the more the more like power and the more like the speed her reaction times are increased her strength is increased and uh you know like unfortunately again the cops are like using rubber bullets on protesters they're just bouncing off her like it's nothing she barely feels them right using those punisher mercy bullets i bet yeah well well not, not, not actually that merciful but uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, over the I mean, so she's out there. She's out there every night with these protesters. You know, the movements it, it's starting to lose steam a little bit. The crowds are getting smaller, and she's realizing that yeah, like her uh, her power levels decrease the, uh, the the crowd. So you know, she really needs this like community of people around her. This uh, this group of people to give her you know like this strength and power that she feeds off of. And so you know, she's uh, 
intentionally trying to like foster this you know uh, what's the word like people. larger res- larger response to uh to get people out there because uh you know she's becoming this almost like a folk hero of these uh the protests in her city now are um, they all and- are they all saying where is crowd control has this chant started yet everyone crowd control crowd control i don't know or is, is, that, the- is that coming later what's that that's my prediction for her name Ooh, that's a good one. No, no, she goes, I don't know. Maybe I'll tell you my name and then we, no, I like mine. She starts right, going yeah. by the name Community. Community. That's, uh, that's her her little superhero name. Um, you know, she also is keeping her identity secret, right? I mean, everyone's wearing a mask anyway, being responsible mm-hmm. out there. And uh, yeah, yeah, she's going by the name Community. Now, you know, if I had done this, it would have been Mr. Communa, Commune E.T., right? I don't get it. Wait, can we delete a live stream? (laughs) (laughs) What happens if I panic and close the window? Um, Okay, great. Community, welcome to the My Marvelous Year Shared Universe. Pleasure Mm -hmm. to have you. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. If you're interested in getting your own character, you can go on over to patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear, and we will uh, update new characters there. Thanks to everybody who was able to hop on the live stream today. Thanks to all of you Mm -hmm. who are listening on the regular podcast. And uh, thanks to you, Zach, for that good update. Thanks, Dave. Anything else? You're welcome, Dave. Uh, Nope. Nope. That's it. All right. Good deal. Uh, Music for the show is by Disasterpiece. I'm Dave. He's Zach. Uh, You can rate and review us at My Marvelous Year. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And as always, we'll see you next year. See you next year.